Hello friends. So today I wanted to share a kind of a rough draft um, from a chapter for a book that I am working on in my spare time. So this chapter is called Influence Not Compulsion. And it's a discussion about leadership both in the classroom and in the business world. Um, because I currently am a teacher, you know, I made a career change, but before that, I was in management for companies uh, like Wells Fargo, Starbucks, Cintas, and the like. So, this kind of my thoughts on that, based on my experience of being led and of being a leader. <clears throat> okay. Before I became a teacher, I was in management for a few different companies. The main job of the manager was getting the people under your leadership to do their best to make the company money. There were all kinds of nice sounding labels for how we did this, but in reality, that is a job. Nothing wrong with making a business profitable. In fact, there's no point in having a business if it doesn't make money, right? But what was interesting was how some people managed through fear and bullying while others led by caring about those they were called to lead and trying to inspire them to do their best. The end goal was the same, but the philosophical approach was different. I remember being told that I had a fatherly spirit and that that was not a good thing for a manager to have. While the company had literature talking about how the workplace is family, they did not seem to kindly look on those who were actually doing that. I need to fix that sentence. All right, sorry. <clears throat> because if you view your employees as family, you will treat them with more understanding and compassion than if they were just a human resource. Fear of being replaced by another resource helps keep employees in line. Or does it? I saw the same thing when I became a teacher. In education, one area that is discussed often is classroom management and behavior management. There are many books and academic papers written about how to best get kids to behave the way we want them to so we can get to the lessons we planned. How we as teachers lead our classrooms and guide our students through their lessons is an important part of what we do. After all, if the students do not behave or follow instruction, teaching is nearly impossible. Add to that the pressure of needing to be seen as an effective teacher through test scores or observations by administration, and many teachers are more worried about looking good than being good. If the kids act right, they will get a good observation, which ensures they are liked by administration, keep their job, might possibly earn a raise. All good things to be sure. But the focus is still on the end result, not so much on the process. Like in the workplace, the students are at risk for becoming a resource to be managed for the advancement of those in charge. Fear of detention, referrals, and bad grades help keep students in line. Or does it? While there are many theories, techniques, and strategies for how best to manage or lead others, I believe the mindset that we as leaders cultivate within ourselves is the most important thing that we do. Who we are and how we show up in the workplace makes a greater impact than any strategy. 
I'm not saying don't research and develop strategies. You should. You should develop as many different strategies as you can. Just remember that they are merely tools. You are what makes them effective, not the formula itself. Following a script laid out by someone else does not mean it will work for you. The problem with so many of these books and research papers is that they fall prey to the survivor fallacy. They assume that because this was effective with 3,000 fifth graders, sorry, 3,000 fifth grade students in 2001, that it will be effective with fifth grade students in 2021. That because their strategy worked in a factory setting in the 1970s, that it will work in a coffee shop in 2018. Again, it is not the strategy that is the problem. It is the idea that we can just blindly copy what they are doing and expect the same results. You are not them, and those you are leading are not the same people they worked with. The philosophy that inspired their work is far more valuable than the actual things that they did. For example, you can apply the same ideas that made Ford Motor Company's factory successful in a coffee shop if... You understand the spirit and philosophy behind their methods. That will enable you to use the mindset and adapt the technique. You can use the same teaching strategy, yeah, the same teaching strategies of Charlotte Mason, an educator from the late 1800s, or the teaching methods of the ancient Greek philosophers in the modern day classroom. Because if you understand the philosophy behind their methods, you can implement the mindset while again, adapting the techniques. But if you just blindly mimic the techniques of Henry Ford or Charlotte Mason or Socrates, you will have limited success because you are more fixated on the result than the process. And even with the process, you're more fixated on doing what they did rather than adapting what they did to the employees or students in front of you. I believe that leadership, be it in the classroom or the workplace, is about influence, not compulsion. The mindset of compulsion is, how do I get people to do what I want? The mindset of the influencer is, how can I get people to want to follow me? You could argue that both compulsion and influence are trying to get the same people to cross the same finish line, so why should it matter what method you use? I believe the method you use does matter. Leading by influence encourages creativity in students and employees, inspires them to take calculated risks, and creates an environment that builds future leaders for the company and the community. Leading by influence encourages creativity by creating an environment with more questions than answers. Employees feel needed. Students are curious as the manager or teacher invites them to roll up their sleeves and help them solve a problem. Teachers, you don't have to have all the answers. Give your students the opportunity to find things out for themselves and even to teach you sometimes. You don't have to be seen as the master of your content area in order to teach them. You are the master of learning. The master of turning I don't know into I found the answer. Teach your students how to become masters of saying I don't know but I will find out. Managers, you are not the master of processes. You are the masters of problem solving. You, are, you understand the company's objectives and you know how to use those objectives as a filter to determine your next step. 
Teach your employees how to think. Let them know what the objectives are and how to use the overall objectives to make decisions for themselves. By doing so, you will ultimately work yourself out of a job and will prepare you for the next role in your career. Leading by influence inspires others to take calculated risks by creating an environment where failure is not a tragedy. Students should never be afraid to take a risk. If they mess up while doing their best, they should never feel like that would be held against them. Take the time to understand why they made the decision they made. Then use that as an opportunity to help them assess what happened and why, then plan out how they can do better the next time. The same goes for the workplace. Within reason, of course, mistakes should not be punished, but used as learning opportunities. I'm a big fan of taking time to reflect. There's a reflection tool used by the military called the After Action Review. The purpose is to reflect on the event and determine what changes need to be, take place. So here are some of the modified questions that I use to conduct an after action review. These aren't the, the same questions used by the military. Um, they're tweaked a little bit, but the intent is the same. The review asks the following questions. Number one, what did I accomplish? Number two, what was left undone? Number three, what did I do well? And number four, what did I not do well? And number five, what will I do better next time? Now, as with all reflective tools, it only works if we are all honest for all of these questions. So if someone answers, I didn't get this done, and then they are punished for it, then you have completely ruined the tool and it's worthless, right? The answers for questions one through four are simply to help you determine what to answer, what to say for question five. All right, what will I do better next time? You can't know that until you know what was done, not done. What was done well, was not done well. So you have to be willing to be honest with yourself. And if you give this tool to your employees or to your students, you have to let them be honest and focus on question five. What will we do going forward? It is a forward, it is looking back to determine what steps we're going to take going forward. It's not looking back so we can punish the past. It is looking back so we can build a better future. By encouraging others to take calculated risks and then teaching them how to analyze situations, we are hopefully taking some of the fear out of the unknown. We are celebrating their boldness, their daring, because our world desperately needs women and men who are bold and daring. The problems facing our world are not going to be solved by fearful and timid souls, but by those who are able to see possibilities hidden in the impossible. Leading by influence creates an environment that builds future leaders and innovators. I know that this topic is far from exhausted, and I'll be lying if I said that I have everything figured out. I will also acknowledge that leading by influence takes more time, is more work, and is fraught with risk. But I believe that the risk is worth it. We have enough people in our world who are great at doing just what they're told to do, great at watching from the sidelines, great at criticizing the man or woman in the arena. What we need are more creatives, more innovators, more people in the arena, attempting and daring to do great things. Anyway, 
so that's kind of what I have so far. It's definitely, there are definitely some typos and I made some on the spot edits as I was reading through it, but hopefully you get the idea of the direction I'm going with this. It's something I'm very passionate about as a teacher, it's definitely something I was passionate about in the workplace as well. So hopefully there was something in there that was of use for you. Hopefully there's something that was in there that was inspiring. All right, friends, it's time for your next adventure. I'll miss you.